0: Norman Lear, outrageous in the best possible way. Probably one of the boldest producers that ever happened. I'm Julie Taymor, I'm a theater and film and opera director and Norman Lear is my, is my daddy. Norman Lear is actually the first one who gave me and my partner an opportunity to create theater. Twice.
1: I mean Norman has really reshaped people's thinking uh, about race, about you know uh, sexual orientation, about a lot of issues uh, before the larger public was ready I think and in that way he's, he's really shaped a lot of our thinking on a lot of those issues.
0: I have always loved Norman And, you know, but I've never respected him. He's made a lot of money, and he never picks up a check. And it's very embarrassing because because I'm lying, and he always picks up the check. But I love him. I'm very glad to be here tonight to celebrate this wonderful documentary about a wonderful guy.
2: Thanks for joining us on the American Masters podcast. In this bonus episode, we share stories from comedian Hassan Minaj and the legendary producer Norman Lear, recorded live at the New York theatrical premiere of our soon-to-be broadcast American Masters, Norman Lear, Just Another Version of You. Minaj, a senior correspondent on The Daily Show, recounts the tremendous personal impact that Norman Lear had on his professional life and Lear, in turn, reflects on the impact we all must have on one another. For more on Norman Lear, tune in to your local PBS station for the national premiere of American Masters' Norman Lear, Just Another Version of You, on Tuesday, October 25th at 9 p.m., 8 p.m. Central. If you miss it, it'll be streaming at pbs.org slash American Masters. I'm actually, I'm actually
1: not gonna, this is gonna be a a, a very nerd out moment, but I would be remiss if I don't do this. Okay. (laughs) This is how I know God is real, okay? (laughs) So, um, my family is from a small town in India called Uligar, uh, population 990,000, that's a small town in India. And, (laughs) My father immigrated from Uligar to the United States of America in 1982. And we moved to this small town called Davis, California. <clears throat> and um, my dad, you know, when, he, when you, as a, as a son of immigrants, when, when you come and you roll the dice on this thing called the American Dream, the last thing you want your only son to do is go tell jokes to people late at <laughs> night in bars. And um, I, I decided to be a stand-up comedian at age 8, 18. And um, this is... This is the impact that Norman Lear had in my life, indirectly, without me ever seeing any of his work growing up. My dad uh, did not want me to become a comedian, and I, and I decided to, to, to become one. And I, and I was doing it for years and years and years. And I got into this big fight with him. He, uh, I was about 20, 24 years old, 25 years old, my LSAT score is about to expire. And I had a great LSAT score. And my dad was like, you better apply to law school right now. And I'm in the car and I'm driving to a gig where I'm not getting paid. And he's like, you're going to law school. I said, dad, I'm not. He's like, "Hassan, you're not Tom Cruise. And I'm, ba- that's, that means success to my dad. There's like, there's Tom Cruise, there's Barack Obama, and I guess there's nothing else. And I'm bawling, I'm crying, right? No, but this is what I wanna do. Three years ago, I do this uh, documentary series through Katie Bonham Chateau called Stand Up Planet. It's about stand-up comedy around the world. It's basically Anthony Bourdain meets stand-up comedy. We learned about uh, comedians in India and South Africa and the Middle East, satirists that are really pushing the boundaries of, uh, of, of satire. Norman and Carl Reiner were the advisors on the project. I got to bring stand-up comedians from around the world to come meet, meet him and he sat there it, he's just like the way he is right now and in the film, and he sat with uh, us young Pedawans. Jewish Yoda sat with us and was telling <laughs> us about comedy. The night of the LA premiere, the night of the LA premiere, I invite my dad, my, my, my dad and my mom to come. They, they hadn't really seen any of my stuff, right? And I, we had reached out to Norman's office. Norman, will you be there, please? You're the only one that's really understood this project. And he had to go to a Matt Damon premiere that night. And I'm like, God damn it, Matt Damon. But the credits are rolling to our film, just like tonight. And I look in the back of the audience and there's Norman in the white bucket hat. And the audience is filled with all these comedians, right? Because the movie's all about stand-up comedy. I was like, ladies and gentlemen, Norman Lear. All the comedians, I know you remember this. All the comedians in the audience, they stood. They were just like, Norman! He comes to the front of the audience, he sits down, right? I'm freaking out. I'm, yeah, I'm doing what I'm doing right now. I'm freaking out.
0: <laughs>
1: and I'm, I'm trying to ask him all these questions. Oh, oh, how did you push the boundaries with Ahmad and Jeff? Oh, I heard that you got notes. And then when Archie came down and they implied sex and I heard you st- stick it to them, <laughs> CBS. And he goes, Hassan, stop. Wait, wait, stop. Um, why aren't you... Wh- wh- where's your family? Focus on what's important. Where's your family? I go, oh, yeah, my, d- my dad's right there. And... Um, you turn. You said this to my dad, you go, uh, you know, Mr. Minaj, your, your son has been working really, really hard on this film. And um, I think you shouldn't let him be a lawyer. <laughs> you should let him be a comedian. You should let him change the world. I don't know how you knew, but you said it, and it, It hit him. And uh, that was in in, in 2013. And... um, October 3rd, 2014. I got hired as the last correspondent on The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. Because my dad said, I'll I'll support you. And that was because of you. And um, I don't know how to thank you, but uh, enough. Because um, there's this really, I've gotten into this argument with my dad all the time. Um, when 9-11 happened, um, we were all sitting down at dinner and um, I heard a thud outside. Me and my dad, we run out and all of uh, our windows had been shattered. And we go, he goes, Hassan, get the broom. We go to get the broom. And um, I look at my dad and he's not mad. And I'm like, why aren't you mad? You know, they just Destroyed all of our stuff. And he goes, Hassan, this is the price we pay for being here. And there's times that um, my dad would have these Archie Bunker moments, you know, where he would just say these things. And I I'd refer to the show to tell him, hey, you know, Norman is the one who taught us to have the audacity, as a minority, to work twice as hard, to, ha- to ask for twice as much. Not work twice as hard, to ask for half as much. I just want to say thank you so much for giving that inspiration to me, and to so many people. I can't thank you enough.
0: Now, um, truth to tell, I sat here all the time before you said this, and said, how do I know this guy? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Here's what I wanna, I've gotta, (sighs) give me a couple of more minutes, I gotta tell you. I've gotta tell a story. I've got to tell a story. I mean, when you say this, I remember so well sitting around outside at that table and what I got from you. I didn't remember who the hell you were (laughs) as you're telling this story, but I remember very well once you remind me. I made a film a lot of years ago in in, uh, in, uh, uh, Iowa, Greenfield Iowa. It was called Cold Turkey. On the 20th, And we had a great summer, a uh, hundred or so of us from Los Angeles in this little town in Iowa and had a great summer. On the 25th anniversary of the making of that film in Iowa, uh, the city called me, asked if I could come and would I bring a couple of members of the cast. They wanted to celebrate the 25th anniversary <coughs> of the filming of Cold Turkey in Greenfield, Iowa. We went. In the film, in a montage where people are misbehaving because they promised to give up smoking the, at midnight the previous night, they're looking for their first, uh, their, their, the first morning, haven't got a cigarette and, and pledged not to smoke. Anyway, they're misbehaving. I did a montage in the film. In one, somebody kicking a dog, somebody screaming at him. And in one shot, maybe a second and a half in the film, A little girl is crossing the street on her way to school. She's got big glasses, she's carrying books, and a mother monitor, who was a smoker, a traffic monitor, is screaming at her, screaming at her. Very funny little moment, a second and a half on them. 25th anniversary, the woman is there, she's now 31, and and she's got these big glasses to show me that's who she is. And she says, Mr. Lear, that was the most, I can't tell you how important that was for me. I can't tell you. And uh, we hugged, and it was the sweetest moment. Twenty years go by. I'm out selling my book two summers ago, and, uh, and I get a call from Greenfield. They, they know I'm traveling, selling my book. They would like to have a dinner for me. They want to name a marquee, a theater after me. And could I come? Of course, I'm peddling the book. And I go, to, I, I go to Greenfield and there's a big dinner. They, have a, they name a theater after me. The governor introduces me, 400 people at dinner. It's just a great evening. But the hallmark moment was the, that little girl is now 51. And she gets to me and she's wearing the glasses to show me she's... A, And she says, Mr. Lear, she says, uh, on the 25th anniversary of of, uh, the film, I told you what it meant for me to be that little girl in your montage. And uh, I said, yes. She said, you were very nice and uh, you were sweet, but but you didn't get it. And you're going to get it now. I couldn't imagine what on earth she was. She said, I read your book. I didn't have to wait for you to come here. I read the book. She said, when you were 10 years old and your father was in jail, you were in Woodmont, Connecticut with your family uh, in the one cottage that an uncle owned that they all could afford to be in because somebody owned it. And, uh, and you were alone. Your mother and your sister, you didn't know where they were. And nobody understood what you were going through that summer alone with your dad in, in prison. But you had a blue and gray sweatshirt that you used to put on in the late afternoon and in the early evening, and in, the, in, and in that gray and blue sweatshirt, you felt stronger and taller and, and older and wiser and better as a. I me. Mean, and you would walk to Sloppy Joe's, a place called Sloppy Joe's in Savin Rock, and among those strangers, you would feel uh, better than you did at home with your family in your blue and gray sweater. Uh, sweatshirt. She said, you were my blue and gray sweatshirt. I wept, she wept, we hugged. But what you're saying to me caused me to think of that, because each of us, I, I mean, I might have had 2,000 decisions to make directing a film in a strange place that day. And all I said was her, you know? And look what it meant to her. So I think what the the message I get from that is each of us in the course of our days, in the course of our lives are responsible again and again and again for moments like that. And if you appreciate the size and scope of the creator's enterprise here, this being a planet among a billion in the universe of which they say there could be a billion, can you get your fingers close enough to measure the distance between any bit of pleasure that any of us deliver to the next person in the course of our days? You can't. It all, we all matter that way.
1: Thank
2: you so much. Mr. Norman Lear. Thanks for listening and join us next week for the final episode of season one of the American Masters Podcast, when we'll hear from Heidi Ewing and Rachel Grady, the two directors of American Masters Norman Lear, Just Another Version of You. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for future episodes. And visit the American Masters website, pbs.org/slash American Masters. You can also find American Masters on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr,
0: and YouTube.